Hi again, and welcome to episode six of the Leading Safely podcast. Continuing on from last week's episode on why people are important and the value of integrity, today I'm going to be discussing consultation and why consultation is critical in implementing a positive health and safety change. To begin with, let's get formal. Section 47 of the Work Health and Safety Act for Queensland states that a PCBU must consult so far as reasonably practicable with workers who carry out work for business or undertaking and who are, or likely to be, directly affected by a health and safety matter. This duty to consult is based on the recognition that worker input and participation improves decision-making about health and safety matters and assists in reducing work-related injuries and disease. The broad definition of a worker under the Work Health and Safety Act means a PCBU must consult with employees and anyone else who carries out work for the business or undertaking. A PCBU must consult so far as reasonably practicable with contractors and subcontractors and their employees, on-hire workers, outworkers, apprentices, trainees, work experience students, volunteers, and other people who are working for the PCBU and who are, or are likely to be, directly affected by a health and safety matter. Workers are entitled to take part in consultations and to be represented in consultations by a health and safety representative who has been elected to represent their work group. It's great that legislation requires it, but why is it important? Involving your workers in health and safety issues can result in a safer workplace, and you should encourage it. You get input on hazards, risks and solutions from people who understand and do the work. Being involved in making decisions can give people a stronger commitment to implementing them. Communicating on health and safety can also build cooperation and trust between employers and employees. Consultation with your workers should occur when identifying or assessing hazards or risks. These are the workers who complete the work. They know what kinds of challenges they face or may face when completing the task. Management may think they know the answer and perhaps if they have worked their way through operations into a management role, they probably may have some idea on the hazards that do exist. Regardless though, the input needs to come from the boots on the ground guys and girls to demonstrate they will be heard. It should also occur when making decisions on how to control risks. As per what I've just said, given these are normally your frontline workers in regards to control for risks, they will know what will work and what won't. I know, as a safety professional, I've often offered up what I thought were magical solutions. I would look at a dump truck or an excavator and think, ooh, it could do with some extra handrails here for access or egress, only to be told by the excavator operator that if my solution was installed, they may not be able to be able to get out of the cab. I'm all there for health and safety, just not so flash when it comes to spatial awareness. Then, when making decisions about employee welfare facilities, such as dining facilities, change rooms, toilets, or first aid, this is probably where things can get murky. Obviously, under legislation, there are bare minimum requirements when it comes to facilities being provided. However, when it comes to the standards, levels of service, and offerings within those facilities, etc., these are all things that need to be consulted on to demonstrate commitment to the workforce. And when deciding on procedures to resolve health and safety issues, consult with employees on health and safety, 
monitor workers' health and workplace conditions or provide information and training. It demonstrates that you care if you can take the time out to find out how your workers would like to resolve health and safety issues or how they would like to be consulted. Maybe the way you thought isn't necessarily effective. For example, you may have thought sending out an email would do the job and may learn that frontline workers may not have access to your company's email system. So your message is not only going to fall on deaf ears, but in this instance may fall on no ears at all. Finally, when proposing changes that may affect workers' health or safety, such as changes to the workplace, plant, substances, or other things used in the workplace, the work performed at the workplace, or when doing anything else prescribed by work health and safety legislation. Last year, I spent some time working on a major construction project. The majority of workers on site were contractors from varying trades form workers, piling, concreters, so lots of activity on a daily basis, which also meant lots of safe work method statements and procedures to review. Because the work environment was dynamic and constantly changing, sometimes there were processes that had to be created on the day. This one particular instance, I identified that one of the contractors whom were at a pivotal stage in their scope of works did not have a SWIMS, a safe work method statement, nor a procedure for the task that was scheduled to commence the next day. I immediately notified their on-site supervisor, who in turn notified their manager, who was also the owner of the company, then waited to gain a copy of their relevant documentation. When I got to work the next morning, I received a copy of a SWIMS from the manager slash owner. However, I also learned that the work had already commenced on site prior to my review of this documentation. I took one look at it and immediately knew I would be the least liked person on site that day. I called the manager in and asked him if he wrote the document. He said he did. I then asked who out of his workforce helped him with coming up with the processes, identifying the risks and everything else within the document. He told me that no one had helped him. He had gone home yesterday and stayed up until midnight drafting the document. All he needed to do now was get my approval and get all the guys currently undertaking the works to sign on to it. Obviously, I had a number of issues with what he'd just told me. I advised him this was not the standard we allowed on site. Firstly, the document could not be drafted without consultation with the work crew. He looked shocked and told me this was how he'd always done things. I then explained to him the requirements of consultation under legislation, as well as the fact that no work was allowed to be undertaken without the SWIMS being reviewed and approved for use, as well as all personnel undertaking the task to sign off on the document. My next course of action was to take a walk with him out on site to advise the workers that they were actually standing down until a SWIMS had been created utilising their knowledge and their skills, not just the managers. 35 critical workers were stood down. They came in and sat in the lunchroom and I assisted the manager with facilitating the drafting of a SWIMS with their input. Funnily enough, the document was different to the one the manager had created and had different controls to be implemented. There had been robust discussions around what the hazards and risks were for the task and which controls would be more effective. It was the type of discussion that warmed the cockles of my heart. I literally smiled while it was occurring and had to explain to the manager why I was doing so. Under no circumstances should management, ad admin, HR 
or anyone else for that matter, be drafting documentation and then taking it to the work crews for review or sign off. To me, this is a breach of legislation and is placing workers' health and safety at risk because the likelihood of a worker reading through the whole entire document critically enough to not only follow what was written, but challenge it where required is zero to none. 99% of the time, what I have witnessed workers do is they will quickly skim through the document, say it's good to go, then sign off on it. And if you ask them an hour later what it said was a control for whatever activity they're doing, they would have no idea. No worker is going to say to their supervisor, yeah, mate, your document's actually dodgy. Here's how I think it should be done. As you can tell, this is something I'm super passionate about. And in my last role teaching the Certificate Forum Work Health and Safety, I always tried to impress on all of my students the importance and criticality of consultation with workers when it comes to hazards, risks, processes, and controls for the tasks they are completing. Obviously, there is more to the topic of SWIMS, which would make its own full episode. However, the key message here is, myself personally would reject a SWIMS or a JHA for that matter, unless I can see that a cross-section of the workers who are undertaking the task have been involved in the creation and development of that document from scratch. Having workers be a part of the development process from the start allows them to take ownership over the entire process for completion of the task. Workers who have assisted in the development provide buy-in and then will champion their own processes in the field, fostering accountability. They are also more likely to adhere to the process they have created, including the controls listed for the hazards and risks identified. This is what you want to ensure a safe workplace. Obviously, including workers as part of the development of SWIMS or JHAs or risk assessments is just one way to increase consultation in the workplace. Other ways that you might want to go about it can include calling a toolbox meeting or safety meeting, which provides an avenue for the organisation and workers to brainstorm and exchange ideas regarding workplace health and safety. Conducting a pre-start talk prior to commencing any work project to go through processes and procedures for the project and obtain safety ideas and any expertise from the work group. Include discussions of workplace safety and health issues and practice as a regular agenda item in any team meeting. Allow workers to express their safety concerns or suggestions relating to safety improvement, for example, via a suggestions box, or having an individual be the recipient of these suggestions. Allowing workers to participate in any workplace safety inspections. And when purchasing or changing brands or type of PPE, hand tools or anything similar, invite workers to test the samples to find out the type they prefer and why they prefer it. There are tons of more suggestions on consultation out there, and these were just a few. Remember, management commitment and open communication between managers and workers is important in achieving effective consultation. Your workers are more likely to engage in consultation when their knowledge and ideas are actively sought and any concerns about health and safety are taken seriously. Consultation does not mean telling your workers about a health and safety decision or action after it has been taken. Workers should be encouraged to ask questions about health and safety, raise concerns and report problems, make any safety recommendations and be a part of the problem-solving process. 
while consultation may not result in agreement. This should be the objective as it will make it more likely that the decisions are effective and will be actively supported. So that closes off our little session on consultation for today. Thanks again for listening in. Until next time, stay safe.